your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's episode, we have a special guest from Locked on Columbus Blue Jackets. I am welcoming Jay Forster in just a little bit to talk about the whole Patrick Laine trade, what Pierre-Luc Dubois might bring to this team, and getting a better sense of what each party has reaped out of what has been a very, let's just call it an eventful trade. This will be a little bit of a longer interview, so strap in, stay tuned, and without further ado, let's welcome our special guest, Jay Forster, here to discuss how we're all feeling about this trade and whether or not we're actually going to be feeling all right after all is said and done. It's been about a, it's been about a week since the trade, maybe a little longer. Um, I don't feel like I need to say which trade. I feel like everybody knows what the trade is. Uh, so how how are you feeling after? kind of having time to sit with it. I think personally, I was prepared for the line A trade for a while. I don't know if the the PLD thing was something that's been building for a few seasons, but um, at least in Winnipeg, like the line A trade, it was coming. And I think the biggest question was just when, you know, not if, but when, unfortunately, both parties seemed like they had more or less reached a, a point where they couldn't really return. And I think last year, towards the end of the season line, it was getting like second line time. So um, I was prepared for it. I'm, I'm sad in a lot of ways, but you know, it, it's one of those situations where we kind of expected it. So I had plenty of time to get myself prepared for it. Uh, but the PLD thing, I didn't know how much precedent there was for that. I know the situation had kind of like soured recently, but was it something that's been going on for a while? Um, I mean, obviously you can never kind of tell what, what's going on behind closed doors, but it felt like it just kind of happened. I think it, in the space of three weeks, we went from everything is fine to Dubois has been traded. Um, so I was talking to um, Jeff Svoda, who's one of the like reporters who works for the Jackets about it. And he was saying, you know, this was back in November. And I was like, you know, is should we be worried that he hasn't signed yet? And he was like, no, everything is fine. So as of... November it seemed you know like everything was everything was okay and then it just very suddenly seems to have been actually I've been unhappy here for a long time um and I want to leave so it kind of came out of nowhere but I feel like the team wasn't surprised as much as the as much as the fan base was yeah, usually I would think the locker room would have a, a pretty decent insight, and I'm sure management was keeping an eye on things, but it's kind of crazy that, you know, when it comes to Winnipeg, a lot of times stuff like players being unhappy, and I know that the team tries to keep those things quiet, but they generally can't just because Winnipeg's a very small city and people talk about stuff a lot. With Columbus, I hadn't really heard too much about Dubois being like super upset. I know that the contract negotiations had kind of hit a couple of snags, but that stuff that seems normal. And then all of a sudden he's just like, yeah, I want out. So I didn't really know how much precedent there was, but it sounds like it kind of came at least to the fan base, a bit of a shock 
which I think the line A thing, we all sort of expected that. Um, I think for the line, I think we just knew it was coming. But, you know, as far as Dubois is concerned, how do they feel about that? Is, is the fan base okay with it? Or are they upset? Or are they just more excited about Liney now? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of everything. Like for me personally, um, and like I'm sure that you kind of feel the same way about Liney, is that like there's a kind of emotionally it hurts because I really like Dubois as a player. I thought, you know, he was going to be our, like, franchise centre for the next 10 years, and then suddenly it turns out, actually, he doesn't want to be here, and then three weeks later, he's gone. Um, So, like, I think there's a lot of that, of, like, feeling not hurt, but, like, almost betrayed a little bit, Um, which is probably a little bit different with Lionel, because obviously you suspected that he was going to be out, he was heading out of town for a while now. Um, but I think it's a combination of that and like not really being sure what to expect from line A, um, which is which is weird because he's what he had like forty goals, not last season but the season before, right? So I think now that we've had time to kind of settle settle down and look at like okay, if Dubois didn't want to be here, like that's it sucks, but like that's his right as a person. You know, he's not he's not like just an asset for this team. He is a person. He's allowed to kind of say, "Oh, I don't want to be here. I want to go somewhere else." Um, so I think now that we've kind of gotten over that, it's a case of okay, well, he didn't want to be here. That you know, let's let's move on. Let's close the door on Dubois. And uh, I haven't seen anyone kind of really talking about being disappointed in the in the return um obviously line a is a really really good player and i think people for the most part are kind of excited to see what he can bring um if he can make us score power play goals then you know i'm prepared to keep him forever like put his jersey in the rafters as far as i'm concerned so yeah that is the that is something that he'll he'll bring and of course we'll talk in a little bit about you know, what each player might bring. But it's kind of funny that you were saying Dubois, you know, the feeling was of betrayal because with Line 8, I expected that that would have been, at least for a portion of the fan base, the response, you know, Line 8 wants to walk away from the Jets. Ah, oh, let him go, fire him into the sun. That tends to be how Winnipeg is with its players. Interestingly, though, this is the first time where, at least by social media, you know, the fan base was upset with the team this usually doesn't happen because for some reason, like Winnipeg just seems to be immune to criticism, but this year and like the past maybe season or two, I think people are starting to kind of turn on the team. And the fact that again, we're still seeing lackluster play. We've seen a number of star players depart, you know, the Truba thing probably I don't really count in the same category just because I think Truba had like family circumstances that made him want to go home, which is totally fine. Um, but like Bufflin departing on not great terms, Enstrom departing on not great terms, both of those two defenders were very key for this team. And like Enstrom was a guy who was, at least by my reckoning, a bit of a club legend. Um, and for him to get benched, you know, during the Western Conference Finals, when you know the team desperately needed him against Vegas in like his last career Jets game, really made him angry. And I feel like. Line's situation is probably a little more complicated. It sounds like he had a disagreement with the team leadership, um, but not not Maurice or anything. 
more so with like the locker room. Apparently he and Wheeler had some kind of a disagreement because Wheeler flat out said, I apologized or, you know, I said, I didn't really handle my relationship well with him. So I would imagine that there was at least some sort of a struggle there, but it's interesting. Like the fan base didn't really turn on them. Like I expected, they all felt very upset, uh, which is kind of a surprise. Usually when somebody wants out, Winnipeg's like, yeah, we'll help you pack your bags. That's that's generally the reaction with this team and the fan base. In just a moment, we'll have some more thoughts about how Columbus fans have reacted to the Blue Jackets trade of Pierre-Luc Dubois. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why you need to make BetOnline.ag your online betting site of choice. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're a diehard Winnipeg Jets fan. But maybe Winnipeg Jets hockey isn't your only passion. Maybe you love NFL action and you're looking for a place to put your bet down on the race to the Lombardi Trophy. We're down to the last two teams standing between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the defending champs of Kansas City. Whether you're backing the Brady Bunch or supporting Patrick Mahomes in his quest to earn a second ring, there's only one safest, most reliable, and trusted name in online betting, betonline.ag. They've got all the straight bets, parlays, and money lines you could possibly want, whether you're interested in German football, NFL action, college football, hockey, whatever your sports fandom is, betonline.ag has your back. To get started, go create a free account at betonline.ag and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're currently speaking with Jay Forrester of Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets to get a better sense of the trade from both sides. Before we hear a little bit more about Columbus' side of things, I thought you should hear a little bit about why you need to be listening to Locked On Today. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now I'd like to welcome back our good friend from Locked On Blue Jackets, Jay, to talk a little bit more about the Dubois trade from his side of things. Yeah, we seem to have kind of done it the opposite way in terms of it was upset and then it was, well, actually, if he doesn't want to be here enough that like, I feel like that you know, the famous shift, which I feel like we're going to see fo- footage of for the next however many months. I think that shift was the was the point at which kind of a lot of Columbus fans were like, right, okay, well, if he doesn't want to be here that badly, then bye. Like, we don't need someone on the team like that. Uh, and that was kind of the feeling I got from a lot of the, like, the media after that game and during the next game. Um, cause I know they asked Oliver Bjorkstrand, do you think, um, do you think Dubois is a good teammate? And he was just like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna answer that. Uh, which I feel like speaks, speaks volumes. Um, and then the next game they asked Nick Foligno, like, have you had a chance to think about the trade, talk about the trade? And he was like, nope, didn't even, didn't even talk about it. We'll deal with it after the game. So it does feel a little bit kind of like. Dubois burnt as many bridges as he could on the way out of town. Yeah, that's a situation that, you know, we'll never quite know what exactly happened, but it's clear that the relationship probably soured long before this point and something just went very terribly wrong <laughs> during the whole situation. Yeah, And it kind of I, seems like it, it really kicked into high gear on that, that contract extension time. Yeah, I don't know. I've Like, I've been trying to, I've reached out to a couple of people to, like, try and figure out if I can get any kind of like semblance of what happened. And I genuinely don't know that we will ever know. I've heard 
some things from people that are kind of close to the team. I've heard things from reporters. I've heard, obviously, you know, there's the the Reddit theories, which I'm not really going to put much stock in, I don't think. But it feels like everyone's got a different story. And so I don't know that it could be a little bit of everything. It could be none of them. It could be, you know, a lot. It could be a lot of things. Um, it could be Dubois might have just wanted to be close to his family or, you know, things like that. So it is, it is one of those things that I think we aren't ever going to really know what it is. Um, unlike the line A, the line A thing, which I feel like has been pretty, not public, but it feels like a lot of, um, a lot of the stories coming out are the same, if that makes sense. Yeah, when it comes to pretty straightforward reasons as to why somebody wants to leave a team, line A is not exactly that hard to figure out. So um, at least from that perspective, I think most people understood and were kind of like, okay, yeah, that, that's fair. You know, he wants a, a chance to spread his wings. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't think that people really hold it against him, which is funny. I sort of expected the opposite, but I don't know. Jets fans, I just think, uh, ignoring my Twitter mentions from last night, people are like, oh, you want you want the, the coaching staff to move on? You know, it's just one game. It's like, no, it's been like like six years of disappointment. You know, at some point, you got to get some results, and that's kind of the same with how they handled Lina. You know, it's like, this is your star generational goal scorer and some, for some reason, he wants out after four years. There's something not great about that, especially when you're a team that claims to want to draft and develop, which they still do that. I mean, they've got plenty of depth players who have filled those roles, but it's a little disconcerting. And now, you know, our top defensive prospect, Vili Heinola, who might actually be good enough to play on like the first or second pairing right now, is sitting on the taxi squad. So just a lot of weird situations with this team. And I feel like line A is just kind of one of those, I, w- I wouldn't say it's the only issue, but it's like a sort of a, a consequence of this team, not really being in the place where it should be. And certainly not uh, from, from a relationships perspective um, at the exact point it needs to be. And I think, ho- you know, hopefully this serves as a lesson to the team and to the locker room as to you know how you deal with younger prospects and kids who are, but line A, I will admit that I've heard he's a little bit headstrong. Um, and kind of thinking on that note in just a moment, I thought we should talk about, you know, for each team, what does player X bring to their new squad? Because I, I've heard some things about PLD, but some of the stuff about Lining may surprise Jackets fans. Yeah, I think just to kind of finish off the that thought about kind of coaching and keeping your young players, it does feel a little bit like both teams have kind of got a chance to do a do-over almost. Like they like obviously line A and the relationship with the Jets was not ever gonna be kind of completely fixed, regardless of I think whether he whether he did end up signing as a, as again as an RFA or whatever. Uh, and again, I think Dubois was never going to never gonna finish the season as a blue jacket, I think, regardless of whatever came to a head in that game. Um and so I do think both teams are kind of get a chance to get a new kind of franchise forward young player is really only just like, especially in Dubois case, like, again, we'll get into this in a minute, but he's really only kind of hit, starting to hit his stride in this league. And so hopefully, you know, both Winnipeg and Columbus will kind of be like, okay, well, we did things wrong the first time. Let's do them right this time. 
And, you know, I mean, I personally hope that Line A will be a Blue Jacket for a long time. And I hope that Pierre-Louis Dubois is a, is a Jet for a long time. I'd be very interested to see how Line A reacts to Columbus. You know, his, his personality um, and the way that he thinks about things. He's not exactly afraid to tell people how he feels. And so it'll be very interesting to see how he navigates you know, a manager and a coach who are in many ways, they, they definitely have their lines in the sand with Marie. Sometimes, you know, Paul will say one thing, but sometimes he'd sort of back down a little bit, a little bit when it came to like Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, but you know, Tortorella and, and Kekalina don't really seem like they waste a whole lot of time. So I'm very curious to see what happens there and how Lina gets on with that team. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see Lina um, and Tortorella especially. Um, I talked about this a little bit on the national show with Sarah last week um, about how there was an article a couple of years ago where they talked about kind of how has Tortorella mellowed with old age or anything and they asked a couple of the older guys like uh, Dubinsky, Atkinson and they were like well what Torts wants is he wants someone who cares like he wants someone with passion he wants someone who's going to kind of stand up to him I think and I think um if if you know what people are kind of saying about line a is accurate i think he is going to kind of if torts yells at him he's not going to kind of shrink away i think he's going to you know if torts is like you need to be better he's going to go out and be like right okay well i'll show him better yeah i think patrick uh, he's done a little bit of that uh, over the past couple of years and definitely you know, his last his last game for the Jets, I think, was a nice preview of how he truly could be, uh, and certainly what Columbus may be getting in their next package with him. Yeah, for sure. Now that we've kind of gotten a sense of how these players and and their trade have affected the fan bases, in just a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about what each of these players might bring to their next team and what sorts of roles we envision for them. But before we go any further, I thought you should know about why you need to make rockauto.com your online automotive parts store for life. When it comes to sourcing auto parts, I don't really know that much about buying them or even knowing what to look for, especially when it comes to trying to find a good deal. Just figuring out the parts that I need is very difficult as it is. And let's face it, if you're like me, most of us aren't exactly experienced mechanics. This kind of stuff is the sort of things we rely on Google for, and sometimes Google lies. When you head on over to rockauto.com, though, you'll never be in doubt that you're getting the best prices on the best selection of auto parts in the industry. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to filter by make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as setting a price range so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a brand spanking new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you probably know that I'm a big fan of Built Bars. I think that they're among my favorite protein bars, and if you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie. Those two are my favorites, but if you can't decide, be sure to check out their variety box, which gives you a sampling of all 12 flavors, as well as six additional new flavors. That's right, I said six additional new flavors. As good as Built Bar already was, they're not content to rest on their laurels, and they're back in better 
than ever with a brand new lineup of new flavors and an even better formula. Their delicious new flavors include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. No matter what you're craving, Built Bar's delicious selection of flavors will be sure to satisfy every need. And they're even better for you with most Built Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 50 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. To get started and place your order, visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are continuing and closing out our final thoughts with Jay Forrester of Locked on Blue Jackets, getting a sense of the Patrick Liney and Pierre-Luc Dubois trades from all sides of the equation. Before we go any further, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why you need to be listening to Locked on NHL today. The NHL regular season is well underway, and the best way to keep track of it all is by subscribing to Locked on NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now we welcome back Jay Forrester one last time to close out our thoughts on Pierre-Luc Dubois and what he and Patrick Laine might bring to their new respective teams. We've been looking for a, a scoring winger for a couple of seasons now, ever since Panarin left town, and obviously that's what Laine is going to bring to this team, like at the very kind of base base level. You know, we've brought him into town because he is that kind of pure goal scorer that we haven't had for a long time. But like, what else do you think he's kind of kind of bring to the team that Blue Jackets fans might not expect from a player like Line? I think when Line was drafted, a lot of people assumed that he was a very one-dimensional player. And early on in his career, you could argue that was true. The sort of player that he was in, in Liga was like a totally different score. Somebody who had elements of being like a power forward, um, a really great puck distributor, very skilled, uh, you know, distributor he's got great vision he has very high hockey iq and i think a lot of that stems from having excellent spatial awareness he understands where his line mates are at all times and he knows how to utilize them that's kind of one thing that i think guys like kyle connor at, at times in previous seasons really struggled with when line a came to the jets immediately it was apparent at least to to a few of us that it wasn't just goal scoring that he brought but all of the skill sets that he was that he had in overseas play didn't really reflect themselves in the NHL. The past year or two, something started to shift with him. Um, I think there was a season recently where he basically cratered out with a line of like uh, Jack Roslevic and Brian Little. Uh, and oftentimes people were like, oh, you know, it's got to be Line who's the weak link. And it's like, well, actually, it's how he's being used. Um, and I remember like being one of the only people to bang on the drum that Line was actually doing so much of the transition work, zone entries, and distribution to his line mates because those guys were kind of passive. Um, but Line has like tried to refine his game to become a multi-dimensional two-way power forward with an elite release. And I think his first game this season is evidence that he's starting to do that. He's got amazing hands; like he can thread a needle for a pass that most players on this team wouldn't even attempt. Um, and of course, he's got amazing deception in his release. It's a very powerful and fast release. Uh, so, I mean, he just has so many different aspects of his game. Uh, you know, of, of course, the common criticism is like, well, his defense kind of sucks. And that is true. Uh, but it's not for lack of effort. He's actually been trying to track back, man mark a lot more aggressively, use his big physical frame. Uh, one thing that he used to have trouble with was sealing uh, players along the walls and blocking out, you know, wall, wall transitions where people would try to, you know, ring the puck around the edge He's been getting better about trying to seal those off. 
sometimes he still handles the puck a little bit like a hand grenade, but he's gotten a lot better about that. I think, though, that in terms of just being a power play guy, he's so much more than that. And I think the Jackets are going to love him. And yeah, kind I think of on a related note. Sorry? As I say, just on like a related note, you know, where um, do you think slots in for you? I mean, obviously, I. it's interesting to hear you talk about how he is kind of a developing into a two-way player because I think that's going to fit into the jacket systems pretty well. Um, and I, I actually wonder how much of that will improve with the Blue Jackets. Like, I'm not going to lie, I don't know a ton about the Jets. I haven't paid a lot of attention to them just because they're in the West, the Western Conference most of the time. Um and I don't get to watch a lot of the later games, but I don't know how their defense kind of stacks up against Columbus. And I wonder if putting him in a more defensive system will will help out. Um, I do know that we are likely to be putting him on a line with, um, I assume, Alexander Texier, who is uh, has been a center for like eight games for us and has been phenomenal, I thought. Uh, and... Oliver Bjorkstrand, who has been far and away our best forward, and is also one of the like most underrated defensive forwards in the game. So I'll be interested to see kind of how that stacks up against uh, Line A's kind of shaky defensive uh, skills. I guess is probably the the best way to put it. Yeah, I think I I would say it used to be really shaky. Now he's kind of like his on ice impacts are are more or less getting close to break even, which I think is like the ideal for somebody of his type who's known as like a really elite sniper. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of Bjorkstrand, who I think, again, like you said, has been underrated for a long time. So I think if you give him a really skilled, fast pivot, which it sounds like Tessier might actually starting to to develop into that, uh, you know, it might be a nice fit and to have Bjorkstrand there as like a safety valve, but also somebody who's a very good complementary winger. I think that that could work out very well. I like a lot of what Line A does. I think he's just needed players who can kind of think and see the ice the way that he does, which when he wanted to play with Shifley, that combo did not work. Uh, Shifley's kind of fallen off a little bit of a cliff in terms of his two-way play. He's still very good at scoring goals. It's just a lot of the rest of his game is kind of, I don't know. There's some weird stuff with the Jets. Uh, I will say that like Winnipeg's style was technically defensive. In fact, it was very, very negative and like drop deep and then try and spring counters because Maurice felt like the defense couldn't be trusted to handle things on its own. And so he had like all the forwards come back and sit deep and wait to try and get a counter from like a strip possession. But of course, Winnipeg's defense is so bad that oftentimes it just meant we got pinned in our own end. So hopefully Line A will get a little bit more space to breathe. Yeah, I think you, you could, yeah, I mean, you could have the best player in the world, but if you haven't got anyone for him to play with, I think, or like if you haven't got the right person, for him to play with, I think you are gonna, uh, you are gonna struggle, um, and I think that's partially kind of one of the issues that Dubois had um, with Columbus was the fact that we didn't really, up until recently, have um, like committed lines. So he played most of his first season was uh, Atkinson and Panarin, I believe, as his wingers. And then the next season was Panarin and Anderson. And then last season was basically anyone because everyone was broken. So I think 
consist if you can get a consistent pair of wingers for Dubois, I think he will only kind of continue to continue to grow. And again, I don't know who they're looking at playing him with. I assume that Wheeler and Shifley will continue to be stapled to each other's hips. But apart from that, I'd like who do you think who do you think Dubois could could slot in next to? Yeah, this is kind of a, a confusing one because there's been a couple of different um, suggestions from management, none of which I'm super thrilled about. Uh, they want to convert Stastny to a winger, and I'm like, well, Paul's not really fast enough for that anymore. I think he'll be fine, but Stastny's definitely at the age where, as a centerman, he can be a little bit less mobile than he used to be, and I think that that works out fine for having like uh, Ailers and Cop on your wings. I'd imagine, though, that Maurice will probably put Dubois on that second-line center role, flex Stastny out wide because, you know, Adam Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp play together a lot in previous years, so he probably feels comfortable just going back to that. Um, he will have Ehlers on his right wing, I would imagine. Uh, what I am kind of interested to know is, like, I've seen some highlight clips of his game uh, in terms of being, you know, a really good, almost like net driving center with very soft hands and tight spaces. What else does Dubois bring? Because I think that that's probably, at least for us, one of the bigger unknowns with him. We've seen some like goal scoring footage and things like that, but you know, shift in and shift out. What kind of playmaker or creator is he? Yeah, I always I always consider Dubois to be kind of like a, a Nate McKinnon type player. Like uh, every time I watch the Avs and you and I could just see him like barreling down down the wing, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, that's going in the net. And Dubois has kind of that same that same kind of um, tendency of just, like, he just skates like he's got all the confidence in the world in his own play, um, which is not, like, not something to be, to be sneezed at if you are kind of a, an offensively starved team like Columbus is. Um, but I think the... The thing that most people don't really kind of see with Dubois is kind of, again, that two-way play. I think people have an issue with the fact that, okay, well, if he's a number one center, why isn't he putting up more points? But, like, he had 50 points as a 19-year-old in the league. He had 50 points as a 20-year-old in the league. Like, he's had... I think he's had two 30-goal, 30-point... Sorry, he's had two 30-assist seasons, and then he had... I think he was on pace for another one last season, obviously before everything shut down. Um, And so it's really kind of his transition game that stands out for me anyway. I think he's a lot stronger defensively than a lot of people kind of see him as. And I think it's because he is the type of player that is not, um, he's not super flashy. I don't think he is very much a player that makes other players better. Um, he puts up his own points, but for me, it's always like I see like the secondary assists, or I see kind of him coming down low and supporting the D, and it's just like the little things that don't necessarily show up on on the score sheet. That I think is what makes him a really good player and a really good center. Um, he's going to not necessarily increase his own production. I don't think. I think he'll probably kind of stay at that same point rate I think whoever he gets paired with will probably increase in scoring so uh if it if it does end up being um Ehlers I think 
you'll probably see a big jump in Elo's performance, but not necessarily. Um, I don't think there'll be anything particularly noticeable about Dubois' improvement, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I feel like by virtue of being on the Jets' power play might be where we see Dubois maybe get a few more looks because it seems like his power play scoring wasn't really uh, particularly prolific. Um, in, in terms of like being an even strength scorer, it's funny. Dubois, his like even strength points production has been a lot better than Line A's. Um, although I think that's just kind of like Line A's game before it evolved. So I expect that to start to shift. But then you look at their power play splits. And of course, Dubois doesn't really do a whole lot on the power play while Line A is basically half of Winnipeg's power play. So it's interesting to see that. I kind of expect Dubois to be in some ways better than Shifley, which is a little bit crazy to say because Mark for many years was very, very good for the Jets. And he still is. Uh, But there was like a point at which he peaked in his total, you know, impact on the ice in both ends of uh, of the rink. And that was like, maybe 16, 17, right before they did that Stanley Cup run. And now it's just kind of like, well, Shifley sometimes when he feels like it will backtrack, but usually he just kind of stands around and waits for the puck to come to him inside the offensive zone. So I'm very curious to see how Dubois handles this team. Maurice is somebody who often favors like defensive responsibility. Um, and he'll, he'll let you know that too in, in your deployments and whatnot. Like Ehlers, for some reason, still gets less than like 18 minutes a night, which is crazy to me. I don't understand how that happens. But yeah, I don't know. The, the coaching staff's a little strange for this team. So I'm very excited for Dubois. That's all I know is I'm, I'm very eager to see what he can do. And I hope that he can be a difference maker for the Jets. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, definitely. He is, Jets fans are going to be, if he plays like I know he can play, um, which might not happen this season. Uh, you know, new team, new systems, new teammates, etc. But I think in the long run, Dubois can only can only improve um, the Jets team. And I wouldn't be surprised to see his power play numbers go up um, because I've talked about this kind of at length on, on my own show. The Blue Jackets power play is haunted by ghosts. Um, I don't know what it is. We just, we can't, it doesn't matter who we who we put on it. It doesn't matter what system we use. We just cannot seem to score goals. Um, we did score one last game and the game before, but I think that was the first time we've scored back-to-back power play goals in two games since like 2019. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Dubois gets a lot more power play uh, points playing on a non-haunted power play. Yeah. I always forget that the, the Jackets power play is a little bit of a meme. There's a couple of those, uh, this those teams out there, Winnipeg's uh, power play was a meme for reasons where like you just could not stop them, and then power or, or Columbus's power play was, yeah, just not great. But uh, I think Line should be able to feast there just because his presence alone creates space for so many other forwards to do things, um, and and hopefully this time they actually give him a defender who can pass from the point at faster than the speed of snail. When they had a uh, Neil Pionk on the point, that puck just never got to him in a timely manner. Yeah. I think putting him with, uh, I'd like to see him on the power play with uh, Bjorkstrand and Zach Wierenski because Zach Wierenski is a phenomenal passer. And I think if he can get Line A the puck and just kind of the Ovechkin um, theory of if he can just get Line A the puck, then everything seems to, everything will be, everything will be just fine. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's what we like to see, right? <laughs> Ovechkin's office. Okay, I think that should be enough for, for a couple of segments. Um, if, you know, my listeners want to kind of keep up with Dubois, maybe take a little bit of a, of a deeper look inside the Jets, uh, where can they find you and your show? Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter. Our podcast Twitter is at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That is for the Locked, Locked on Winnipeg Jets show. And they can also follow my personal Twitter at HLLivingLoco. Uh, be warned, I do do Jets rants frequently just because it is Winnipeg. And, of course, the Jets always make Jets fans very angsty. That's our that's our brand. <laughs> and where can, they find, where can Jets fans find you to keep up online? Because I'm sure many of us will still always hold a candle for him. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, JTheGoalie. I've got some uh, really fun stuff coming up for LGTB History Month, which starts uh, today, actually. Uh, and then if you want to kind of keep up with Line A and other Blue Jacket, and, you know, Jack Roslovic, of course, who we didn't even mention, um, but who has looked pretty good so far for Columbus, um, you can follow the show at LO underscore Blue Jackets. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us and discuss all things Line A and Dubois. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great night, and as always, go Jets go.